0: Hey, what's up y'all? My name is Rochelle Grow, and I'm the host of Allergic to Small Talk. I'm an expat living in the UK. I own two businesses, have my executive MBA from Pepperdine University, and I come riding dirty, having fallen from the polished corporate world. Allergic to Small Talk is a show about how to grow your small business through networking, plus the tools and resources needed to develop your foundation as a business owner. If you're allergic to small talk, get ready for big conversations that are delivered to you in bite-sized chunks that you can implement right away to transform the way you view, operate, and grow your business. This is Allergic to Small Talk by Cut Class. One area I wish I had focused on when I first started my business was organic lead generation. It's all fun and games to set up a small business, but it's not so fun when leads run dry. This episode will help you understand how to keep the leads rolling in organically. Hey there, and welcome back to Allergic to Small Talk. You can catch me here every week dropping the latest tips and tools to start and grow your small business. On today's episode, we're going to dive into the world of lead generation. And if that term is new to you, don't freak out because we're all doing some form of lead generation, whether it's in person at a networking event or working our magic online to generate a lead. When I was a nine to five employee, I was at a brick and mortar business and the leads literally walked through the door, which, you know, I didn't really have to worry about. But when I became a small business owner, I really had to focus on getting customers through the door to sell my programs. I've dabbled in both paid and organic lead generation, and I can tell you that the best leads come organically. And to help us explore the wonderful world of leads, I've asked my friend Jan to join us today. Jan is a lead generation and podcasting consultant, international speaker, and podcaster with over 400 episodes published. He helps consultants and coaches create and leverage systems that generate more leads conversations, and sales appointments organically. On top of being a lead generation ninja, Jan is just an all-around great guy, and I literally learn tons of new things every time I talk to him. So make sure you have your pens and papers out for this episode because I know Jan, and he's going to be dropping some knowledge bombs left, right, and center. Jan, welcome to the show.
1: Rochelle. Thank you so much. I'm excited and thank you for the introduction. You got me so fired up. Let's do it. Let's
0: go. (laughs) So Jan, I always love when my guests tell us in their own words, like when somebody says, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself, what do you say?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you did a great job doing that for me in the introduction. But basically, as you said, my business can be divided in two parts. One focuses on organic lead generation. So I help clients who may be consultant, coaches, business owners, generate uh, or create systems that generate consistent streams of leads, conversations, and appointments. And on the other side, I focus on podcasting really at 360 degrees, meaning helping clients with planning, the content, producing, launching, but also clients who already have a podcast. So we may discuss things like growth, marketing their show, monetization, as well as the other side of the mic. So being a podcast guest and also there really I help clients from A to Z, from how to present yourself online to picking the topic to cover all the way to pitching and rocking your podcast guest interviews. So that's what I do in a nutshell.
0: Love it. Thank you so much, Jan. As many of you know, our team at Cut Class is passionate about helping people transition from their nine-to-five to to building a business that they love. Why? Well, I'm glad you asked. I remember climbing the corporate ladder, getting my executive MBA, and making great money and driving a fancy car. But at the end of the day, I was frustrated and miserable because I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to be doing to hit success. It wasn't until I completely unplugged from what the world always told me would make me happy that I was able to find my genius zone and turn it into a business. I now have the freedom around time and finances that I've always wanted. So if you're in a similar situation where you're in a nine to five that's frustrating and unfulfilling and you're thinking about starting a business so you can control your time and finances, then let's hop on a call and let's talk about creating your new future. A link to book a call will be in the show notes. So I don't want to waste any time because you, my friend, are filled with so much knowledge and our conversation can go into so many different directions. But I want to focus on and dive into organic lead generation. So, Mm -hmm where the heck should a new business owner begin? Is there a framework that you use? Are there steps? I know you mentioned systems and structures. Like, Take us through those first steps and let us know, like, where do we get started as a new business?
1: Yeah, sure. Is it okay if I start with a couple of definitions just to make sure that everybody who's here with you and I is actually here with the two of us and they don't get lost along the way? 100%. Okay, great. And that's also because sometimes if Somebody's listening and they Google lead generation or leads, prospects. Sometimes they're used as synonyms. So the definitions I use actually come from the book High Profit Prospecting by Mark Hunter. And it's basically a three-step process, so to say, or three subjects we focus on. The first one are the leads. And a lead is basically a data set. Typically, for example, for my business, that's somebody's first and last name and email address. And for somebody else's business, there may be other pieces of information that may be useful. Maybe the phone number, it's important, or their physical address, something on those lines. So a lead is a data set. Then we have the prospect, which is the actual person. And a prospect is a person that we have qualified, meaning we have basically taken the traits of our ideal clients and we have run this person or company through the checklist and say, okay, do they make sense for this? Yes, for this, yes, for this, yes. And ideally, we want to have as many yeses (laughs) as possible. And then after that, we have a client. So if things go well, we start with the lead, that that becomes a prospect, and then it becomes a client. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, Why, I mean, everybody wants to have more business. Most people would say, I want to get more clients. But why, when I talk about lead generation, I don't really focus on clients, clients, clients all the time. I'm actually very deliberate about that. And it's because sometimes when we obsess over getting new clients, we may develop tunnel vision. And what happens is I'm having a conversation with you, Rochelle, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, she doesn't seem a good fit client-wise. I'm just going to tune out and think already about the next quote unquote target. Okay. And that's a huge mistake, because while it's true that maybe you may not be a good fit client-wise, you may be a great source of referrals. So you may send potential clients my way, or maybe you have a podcast. Hello, you do, we are here, allergic to small talk. And maybe by me being here with you, I'm in front, I'm showcased to your community. Maybe you organize a conference, I could speak there. So. I try to help clients, students of my courses and so forth, try to shift the focus from getting clients to creating business opportunities. So those are a couple of things I wanted to make sure that were kind of clarified before we delve into the actual nitty-gritty of uh, organic lead generation.
0: I love that you definitely use the definition with the different terminology that kind of gets thrown around in the industry, because it does set a really good foundation for our conversation. and. If people are new to the sales cycle and like the sales funnel, I love that you broke it down with like lead, prospect, client. It kind of goes through that whole process. So I really love how you really broke that down for us because sometimes that could get super confusing, especially when you're new to business. Thank you.
1: Yeah, no, you're welcome. And if somebody's here with us and they're like, well, Rochelle, Ian, I'm actually allergic to sales. I just don't like to sell. I can say, I feel you. I understand. But I would like for you to go through a mindset shift. It's very subtle, but it can be a game changer. When you're focusing on, I don't like to sell, what you're actually doing, maybe without realizing, is you're making a disservice to the people who your products, service, your business actually helps. Your content as well. By the way, if you create content, you say, yeah, I don't like to be so promotional, I don't like to market my own content, I would encourage you to start thinking about things differently and saying, hey, if I'm not promoting this, I'm actually making a disservice to those who don't know anything about it, but could actually benefit from getting to know about my course, my book, my products and services. So that's something that I think it's important for you to understand as well. Now, in terms of the actual answer to your question, Rochelle, getting started I think the first step is to, as I said earlier, I kind of touched upon it slightly, is define your ideal client. And what is that? You want to think about the traits of your ideal clients and traits. I mean, there is a wide variety of traits. And like earlier, when we were talking about leads and I said, it's a data set and some pieces of information may be more relevant or even irrelevant to somebody else's business. The same applies for some traits of your customer avatar practical example for my business if i work with a female client or a male client it actually doesn't make any difference to me and to my business on the other hand if i were a coach who worked with i don't know single fathers then by definition of father i would be wanting to work with with men and vice versa if i was working with women so that's just an example but you want to think about things like the gender the location their employment. You want to think about language is another factor. Religious belief may be another factor depending on your business. And then you want to get more granular and think about the pain points, the challenges they're facing. And then there is the aspect of money. You can try to guess what kind of budget they would have in order to be working with you. And if you say, well, how can I know? There is no information about that what you can do is you can go to their website and look at what it is that they sell. I'll make you a practical example. If you have two potential clients, both of them are coaches. You look at their sites. The first coach has the price of a coaching session is, let's say, $100. And the second coach has a $1,000 coaching session. You know that if you sell something that it's worth or has a price tag of 500 bucks. The second coach is more likely to have the funds for starting to work with you. So you want to basically make a list of all those traits. And then the next step is to actually think of where do I find the leads? But before we discuss that, do you want to add anything about customer avatar and so forth?
0: Yes. So I love that you touched on understanding your ideal client and Sometimes that's also called your ideal avatar. So there's so many terms for your ideal client and I really love that you got very specific on who that ideal client could be for our business. We don't particularly say that we only work with women, but that's just the gender that's in our program. So this just happened to be all women. So when we're creating now, like our ads or whatever it is that we, or content that we're creating, we're focusing on females that are 30 to 45 years of age, mainly because we have experience with them. We understand who they are and we understand the language that they use. We also understand, going on to your second point, which is understanding their pain points and really understanding what it is that they are having challenges with and how our product could get them over that threshold. And so that's really great is understanding the pain points. And the third one I really loved, which was about money qualifying. And some people get so uncomfortable Around the money conversation. And I still, t- right. t- today, you know, today I still get a little uncomfortable about it. Yeah. But what I love what you said earlier is understanding that you add value to the problem or challenge that they are currently experiencing. I think it was when you're talking about the sales that, you know, we're robbing
1: mm-hmm.
0: our potential clients of, you know, solving that pain point that they're actually experiencing right now, today, that we know 100% our product can help solve. So I really loved how you walked us through each of those steps. But yeah, that's what I kind of wanted to dive into. So what's next?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, one comment to what you just said, Rochelle, the last point you made, I think you need to be honest with yourself. I mean, if you just say, you know, my book is the best book ever, I'm gonna try to shove it down everybody's throat, every single person I come across. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being honest and being able to understand who you're trying to help and who wouldn't benefit from your products and services. Because for me, it's the same. I can say that, yeah, I work with coaches, consultants, but it doesn't mean that every single coach or consultant is actually a good fit for what I sell. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't, and that's okay. Next step is actually to do something you touched upon with your comment. You said, with our company, when we are planning content, we're thinking about the female, the women we're working with. And actually, the next step is to optimize your online presence, keeping your ideal customer persona, customer avatar, we can use a ton of other synonyms, <laughs> <laughs> keeping them in mind. What do I mean by optimizing your persona? I'm talking about your website, the copy on the website, but also your social media profiles. LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever platform you use, you want to make sure that everything there is as aligned as possible with your ideal customer. So I'm talking about the language you use, the style you use, the terms you use, the platforms you're using. Because if I want to work with people who are in their 70s, using TikTok may not be the best way for me to, to go about things. So you want to make sure that everything there is as aligned as possible And you present yourself from a context that makes sense to the people you're trying to reach. So for example, I think most of us, and I was talking with somebody about this earlier today with a client, most of us don't only do one thing. We may have an area we specialize in, but we may do also other things. And sometimes those things are very relevant So it does make sense to include those on your social media profiles or even in conversations, and sometimes they don't. So you don't need to fill your profile with a ton of different things if you want to really attract people who would benefit by knowing that you can help them with one specific thing. So optimizing your online presence is something that is very important, and what you need to keep in mind is that that's a dynamic process. So it's something you update every now and then. For example, if I'm thinking about my website or my LinkedIn profile, I update them from time to time. And I think it's fair to share. You probably do the same, right?
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I want to pause there for a second because all the tips that Jan is talking about now, about optimizing your website, optimizing your LinkedIn profile, making sure like your social media descriptions and bios are all kind of geared towards that ideal client. Now, this is part of the organic lead generation beast. So while this isn't like, you know, Jan saying, well, this is a message that you should create to slide into somebody's DM, right? We think like that's kind of how you're going to create the lead. Yes, it is a way you could do it. However, these are all little t- tiny tweaks to the organic toolbox that when you put them all together, it actually creates a real force to attract that ideal client.
1: Exactly. And they contribute to creating the experience that the person actually get to go through before they decide to become a client or they say, yeah, now it's not a good time or whatever. So optimizing your online presence is the next step. After that, you want to actually start to be laser focused in terms of where are you going to focus your organic lead generation efforts on. And typically when it comes to lead generation, there are two types of lead generation. One is inbound, which is people gravitating toward you. So content can do that practical example. Maybe you hear Rochelle on the show in this episode, other episodes, and you say, you know what? I know Ro could help us with this, 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 this. You reach out to her. So that's organic lead generation, the inbound way. Outbound is the opposite. That's kind of permission-based, sometimes also interruption-based is used, but I don't like interruption-based. And some people may say, cold calling is that cold emailing doesn't work. And I've heard a term used by somebody, which I love. I don't remember who it was. I need to check because I need to credit that person. But they say, I never do cold calling. I never do cold emailing. I always do informed calling and informed emailing, meaning that when I contact somebody, I know a little bit about them. I'm not just opening an address book pointing at some random name, phone number, and be like, all right, this is the one I'm going to call. So having said that, we want to be choosing where to focus our outbound organic lead generation efforts on. And there is a ton of different ways you can go about it. But for the sake of time here, and also because I want to help you start generating quality leads organically as quickly as possible, there are two areas or two pools I would encourage you to look into and tap into. The first one is LinkedIn. Number one, business social media in the world with, I think we're approaching the 800 million episode mark. So a ton of leads over there. And then the second is Facebook with a particular focus on other people's Facebook groups. I have a Facebook group. I think Facebook groups are great, but in terms of being able to leverage lead generation relatively quickly, start by leveraging other people's Facebook groups. And I'm happy if you want, Ro, to share some tips on how to actually get started with those contexts.
0: Let's focus on LinkedIn because I think there's a lot of unknowns about LinkedIn, right? A lot of people hear about Facebook advertising and Facebook this is that, whatever. But I think let's focus on LinkedIn for just a few minutes.
1: Sounds like a plan. I'm right there with you. So LinkedIn, I think, is terrific. And whenever I talk about LinkedIn, I'm always saying to myself, or it's a good reminder that I can actually even make more and get the most out of the platform. So there is always more I can do. And I think that's great because it talks to the fact that it's going to be very likely for me to hit a ceiling on LinkedIn where it's like, yeah, I've tapped into LinkedIn That's it. I can't get more out of it. It's not really going to be the case. So how do we actually find the leads so that then we can generate those leads? There are a few different ways you can go about it. And the first one, you have probably used it and is the LinkedIn search bar. And one may say like, well, okay, Ro, Jan, thanks a bunch. You're telling me to use the search bar. Hang on there for a second. What you can do with the search bar is start using it for making your searches very specific. And quick disclaimer here, what I'm sharing here with Ro, and actually what I share also in my course and with clients, is not something you need to have sales navigator for, right? You can use the basic version of LinkedIn and you can get a ton out of that. I'm not telling you in order for you to do this, you need to pay like hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars only to get started. Absolutely no. LinkedIn is free. You can do what we're about to tap into with the free version of LinkedIn. So how can you make your searches more specific? The first way to do that is to use the filters that LinkedIn gives you. So you can search for somebody based on their location, and this could be country, could be state or region, could be a city. You can do so based on the degree connection. So is it somebody you're already connected to on LinkedIn, first degree connection, somebody you have some common connection with, Second degree or somebody you have zero connections with, third degree connection. And you can continue that way. Or what you could do, and this is something not many people know about, is you could use Boolean search terms. What are those? They are the words, and, or, not. So in other words, in your LinkedIn searches, you can use one of those three words, or even a combination of those, to make your searches very, very laser focused practical example. It's one thing to say, yeah, I want to connect with coaches based in, in Newcastle. Okay, you get the results. <laughs> it's a different story to say, I want to connect with somebody who is a coach, but it's also a yoga instructor. So how you would do that? In on LinkedIn, in brackets, you would put coach, then you would use the Boolean search term and And then in brackets, you would put yoga instructor. So what that does is LinkedIn is going to only present you with results of people who are both coaches and yoga instructors. Alternatively, you can use or. So let's say you aren't only working with a group of people, so you don't want to target only coaches. You want to target somebody who is a coach or an author, let's say. In that case, in the search bar, you would put coach in brackets and then or. And then in brackets, author. And now LinkedIn will present you with people who are either coaches or authors.
0: So it's brackets. So like we put coaches in brackets, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. new word, or, and then mm-hmm. brackets again, author. Right. And then hit enter. Exactly. Okay. I'm yes. following. Exactly. Cool. Okay.
1: Okay. And let's say you say, oh, I want to work with coaches, but I don't want to work with business coaches. So in that case, you would open the bracket, put the keyword coach, close the bracket, and then put not, and then in brackets, business coach. So now LinkedIn will tell you, all right, all of these people are coaches, and those who are business coaches, we aren't going to show you their results. (laughs) So using the Boolean search terms in combination with filters of LinkedIn that you may have been already using, like degree connection, uh, geographical location, and so forth, is a surefire way to really make sure that the results LinkedIn presents you with are actually of people or company that fit the search criteria that you have been using so far.
0: You see what I mean? Every time I speak to Jan, There's always something that is a (laughs) mic drop moment where I am just like, what? I didn't know about that. And this is one of those moments. So when I'm interviewing guests, you guys, I always take notes on my phone because I like to follow the conversation. But also, I learn things as well, along with you, the listener. So I really love that there's so many filters in LinkedIn that we just don't know about. Like, I feel like I'm pretty savvy with LinkedIn, but definitely didn't know about the filter of degree connections. Like I didn't know you could do that. And then I certainly did not know that you could use did you say Boolean? What is it called?
1: Yeah, Boolean. Okay. So I think they come from like physics. Well, don't quote me on that, guys. I may be wrong, but it's spelled like Boolean, B double O and then L-E-A-N. Boolean search terms. And you can use them in combination too. I actually forgot to say, if you want to connect with somebody who is, let's say, a coach and a yoga instructor, but is not a business coach. Then you would put the first keyword in brackets and second keyword in brackets, not, and then in this example, business coach. So LinkedIn will present you with people who are both coaches, yoga instructors, but who are not business coaches.
0: You're such a genius. See, I told you guys, lead generation ninja right here. (laughs) Okay, cool. So got that. We're in the search bar. We understand how to use it and use it really well now. What's next?
1: Yeah. Next is actually about generating the lead. How do you do that? Well, this is something you guys have done before, right? And that's actually connecting with them on LinkedIn. Again, thanks a lot, Ro. Thanks a lot, Jan. Wait a second. How do you go about it? If you just say, okay, hi, Rochelle, I'd like to join your LinkedIn network or whatever the default connection request message says, you probably aren't going to go far, especially if you're targeting people who are third degree connections, meaning people you have no common ground with? Practical example let's say I wanna connect with you on in Rochelle. We have no common connections. I connect with you. You'll be like, who is this guy based in Finland? First of all, where is Finland? Who do I know in Finland? Ah, uh, this is probably a bit suspicious. So, what can we do to make sure that the person doesn't have that kind of reaction I just described? We need to try to find some common ground and use that in our connection request. We are going to customize it. There are different ways we can do that. For example, let's say we were both at the same conference and maybe I saw there was a LinkedIn event you put that you attended that there, or maybe you spoke at the conference. I could say, hey, Rochelle, I was at your presentation at whatever the conference name uh, was, and I wanted to connect with you here on LinkedIn. Now, Instead of saying, who is this guy random guy from Finland? You'll be like, who is this random guy from Finland? Oh, all right, he was at the conference. So now we start to have some common ground here. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah, thanks a lot you know, for attending or whatever. So think of something you may have in common. Something I saw somebody doing with me, which I thought was genius, is I was interviewed for a show and the host published, I don't remember which season it was, let's say the third season, the list of people who were interviewed there. And one of the guests reached out to me to connect and say, hey, I noticed we were both interviewed on this show. Is that a good enough reason to connect? And I was like, oh, that's really clever. So guess what I did after that? I used actually the same (laughs) approach with the other, I think we were like 16 people or whatever. So you want to try to find some common ground. And if you don't find absolutely anything in common with the person, then what you can do is Look at their profile or look at their website. Try to find something that personally interests you and you can let them know and say, hey, I was just going through your blog and I was really impressed by, and be specific. Don't just say, yeah, you did a great job. Yeah, thanks a lot. No, be specific. Say this one thing you said. For example, if you wanted to connect with me, if you connected on LinkedIn right now and said, hey, I heard you on allergic to small talk, you will be like, oh, perfect. That's the common ground. So you want to do that and then send them the personalized connection request. I can't stress that enough. Personalized slash customized connection request on LinkedIn.
0: I 100% agree. I think that's really great advice. And I know that when somebody sends me just like a canned LinkedIn, it irritates me I'm like I don't know who you are like I don't know what you want because you always just do that what do you want you know you think that and and I'm like in the business of networking you know but yeah I just think that that falls on me and I'm just like no like I don't really want to connect with them but if they do drop something in there like I met you at this networking event I heard you like present here or blah 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 or even just say something from my profile I would probably just add you so I agree I definitely Mm. agree there
1: yeah that's true yeah so you want to do that and then If things go well, the person is going to accept your connection request. And then you want to start actually having a conversation with them. So that's where you get basically to the next step. So once you have found the lead, you have generated the lead, you want to actually do a bit of research. You want to actually go back to your ideal customer persona checklist that you've written down, right? Because you have written down the traits. And then you want to start to say, okay, gender is this person a fit? Yes, no. Location, whatever traits, criteria you've written down, you want to start to do those. And keep in mind that sometimes you are going to be able to do that just by looking at their profile or website or whatever. Whereas in some cases, you may not be entirely sure and you won't know the answer to that question until you have an actual conversation with them. And we'll get to that in a second. But basically you want to start the conversation with them. And You can use templates. My advice is this. Templates can be time savers, but you want to make sure that each template is customized so that it makes sense for the person or the conversation you're having for that person. If you just copy-paste, 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 people are going to notice that. On the other hand, if there are certain parts that you copy-paste, but then you customize something so that it's tailored to Rochelle and then to the next person I talk to and so forth, that's a different story. So what you want to do is... You want to start a conversation with them. If you focus on something that personally interests you, it's going to be much easier because you won't have to fake it and say, you know, I'm your biggest fan. (laughs) And they don't even know how to pronounce your last name. (laughs) You see what I mean here? So you just want to say something that is true. If you're not the biggest fan, you don't have to say, you know, I'm your biggest fan. I read all your books. It's like, what's the title of my last book? Well, I don't remember, but you know, I'm your biggest fan anyways. You don't want to do that. Okay. So you want to start to have a conversation and then, depending, sometimes with some people, you really hit it off. And maybe after a few days already, you can say, Hey, why don't we have a call? In some other cases, you may want to do that a few weeks into the beginning of the conversation. Maybe it's a couple of weeks, three weeks. But the way you want to position the suggestion is Hey, let's have a call because I want to sell you something. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not what you want to do, all right? What you want to do again is think common ground. Why a person would want to have a conversation with you. Let's go back to what we were discussing earlier. We are talking about business opportunities. So focus on that. When you suggest having a call, I would say, for example, to Rochelle, I would say something like, hey, I've been really enjoying our conversations here on LinkedIn or our exchanges, whatever. And I was thinking why don't we have a quick call? Would you be up for it? I'd love to hear more about some of the things you're currently working on and exploring potential collaboration opportunities. I really like that last part, exploring potential collaboration opportunities, because you're just telling a person, hey, I just want to have a conversation and see if there is something we can do together. And sometimes some of those conversations actually end up with the person or company hiring you. Sometimes it's even the other way around, or maybe they say, you know what? I was just talking with somebody this morning and they were telling me they're struggling with getting clients, with generating leads. I'm gonna introduce them to you. So that's what you wanna do. And if you wanna stand out even more from the crowd, there are a few ways you can do that. There is one platform I know, Ro, you have become a fan of, and I like it as well. And it enables you to send, to record and send personalized video messages. And what's that called, Rochelle? SendSpark. <laughs> exactly right, you guys. So SendSpark, there are a few other platforms that do similar things. I know one called Bonjoro, B-O-N-J-O-R-O. Bonjoro, it's another one. There is, I use Sensepark and another one called Hippo Video. But basically, what they enable you to do is you can either use the platform to record a video or upload a pre recorded video. Maybe you recorded it with your phone, you just upload that. And then for each video, they create Sensepark, for example. It creates a small web page where you can add a title if you like, you can add some text, and you can even add, depending on the versions of Sensepark, because there is a free plan and a paid plan, but you can also add a button below the video. And what I typically do is I make that button, I link it to my scheduling tool, and in the video itself, I would say, hey, Rochelle, I'd love to have a chat, discuss potential collaboration opportunities, blah, blah, blah. Hey, why don't you click the button below the video? And I'm actually in the video itself, I'm actually pointing down to the button so that people can take the next step right there and then. Versus me saying, well, okay, so just go to my site. You'll see the navigation menu at the top. So you want to click here. You want to click there. No, you want to remove that friction. So Park is a great way to stand out. And you can use it when you start a conversation to say, hey, thank you so much for accepting my connection request, blah, blah, blah. You can use it to suggest having an appointment or you can use it at any other stage, but is a way that is definitely going to help you stand out. And you can use it with LinkedIn or even embed the videos in in an email. Well, technically, if you choose to embed it in an email, the platform doesn't embed the video itself, but it embeds an animated thumbnail, which has a GIF format, which then when clicked on, links to or directs people to the small web page I was talking about where the video is embedded on
0: there's so much knowledge here, you guys. So just to back up a little bit. So Jan is talking about how to connect somebody. Make sure that you find some common ground to connect with that person. Then you start the conversation with them. Perhaps you can have templated conversations, but also maybe that templated conversation is actually customized. And I don't know if you'll talk about this later on. I don't know if we have enough time, but Jan actually has something that It's almost like a conversation roadmap that he builds out, which is very methodical based on how that person actually responds to your initial question. Like if they say yes, if they said no or whatever it is, he actually creates a workflow with that conversation and how that actually looks. And then secondly, how to elevate those messages and make it even more personal is adding that video element. And you guys, this is a total game changer. Like I use this after I interview podcast guests. I use it just to say what's up to people on Facebook, also on LinkedIn. And my business partner is actually trying to generate leads on LinkedIn at the moment. She kind of was going through that conversation like lead funnel or whatever. She was like, Rochelle, nobody's biting. It's not happening. We've sent out thousands, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what's missing is a video. Like you need to include a sense bark. You need to include something in there where they can actually get familiar with your face and your tone of voice and they can interact with you. Once she included that video since last week, Jan, she's been able to book many more appointments on her schedule. And I was like, it's just that extra layer of effort and personal touch that so many other people aren't doing. There's are so many people playing the same game as you guys. How are you going to stand out? How are you going to take that extra step to kind of build that relationship with somebody that somebody new?
1: Well, first of all, well done to you and your business partner for implementing that and you're already getting some results. I think it's great. And it's important for you guys to keep in mind that for example, in this case we're talking about Sensepark, there are two ways you can use it. One, which is the most ideal way, but it's also the most time consuming is record a video message for each and every single person you're going to have conversations with. Okay, so I'm going to say, hi, Rochelle, blah, blah, blah. And then to the next person, the next person, each person gets a personalized video message. However, that can be time consuming. So what can you do? What you can do is you can think of, let's say you want to use the video to invite people to have a call with you. What you can do is you record one video, just one, where you don't mention anybody by name, you don't make any references to, for example, the weather. Maybe you are with a T-shirt, you're like, you know, it's such a hot day here. And then people are like, but isn't he in Helsinki, Philly? And it's like January, isn't it supposed to be like minus 30 degrees or whatever? And this guy's with the T-shirt. You just want to keep that, let's say, neutral for lack of a better term. And where the personalization lays into with the second option is the way I use it is I record one video and then when I send it to Rochelle, the personalization comes from two things. The first one is the animated thumbnail I was talking about earlier because Sensepark lets you add a text there. Yes. So I typically have that thumbnail be me waving to the person and I would put like, since I speak Italian, I may put ciao Rochelle <laughs> or hi Rochelle, hello, whatever you want to write. So there's the personalization there. And the second element of personalization is the fact that I share that video with Rochelle either by LinkedIn or by email. So it gets sent directly to her. She sees that in the thumbnail. It's like, oh, nice. This is for me. If I send it to another person, what I do is in my Sensepark dashboard, I just duplicate mm-hmm. the video I sent to Rochelle, change the na- the first name in the thumbnail, and voila, in 10 seconds, 15 seconds, I have a new video that I I can share and then it's quite relevant to the person I'm having a conversation with or have been having a conversation with. So I think SandSpark, as you said, has been a game changer and you can use it, as you pointed out, in many different contexts. We're talking about it from lead generation Mm -hmm. perspective. You said you use it in different ways. So do I. I've used it for pitching myself as a guest and in many other ways. So I highly recommend checking in this case, we're talking about SandSpark. So take SandSpark out for a spin.
0: Yeah, gosh, that's really good. that You just said you use it for pitching. I'm actually going to steal that from you because I am going to use that to pitch myself.
1: Go ahead, go <laughs> Thank ahead. Thank you, you guys. Yeah, and, and for example, in your case, let's say you're pitching potential guests to feature on allergic to small talk. What you could do is you could, if you want to have, a PDF that like introduces them to the show, you could link that in the button below the video. If you prefer to do that in the video, then the button below could link already to your scheduling tool so that you don't have to have email back and forth. But if a person watches the video, is like, yep, yeah, let's do it. They can book immediately. And then I know you have a workflow in place anyway. So it's good Or to say thank you after the interview. I think that's great. And one additional thing I'm going to add here, what we've discussed so far about LinkedIn, you can even add an extra layer and focus on LinkedIn groups because sometimes one group may be a goldmine because there are groups with 10,000 people, 20,000 yes. people. Oftentimes, you join a group and you can go through the entire list of members. And guess what? If you're both members of the same group, you have common ground. So when you connect with the person, you can say, Hey, hey Rochelle. I've noticed we're both members of the one, two, three, four, five group, and I wanted to connect with you. I know, really original. <laughs> and I wanted to connect with you uh, on a personal level or you know, whatever you want to say. So one group, a single LinkedIn group can keep you busy, so to say, even for months to come. So you can just say, all right, let me pick one group, focus on the members of that group, the admin as well, and then you know, once you're done with that, you can focus on on the next group or whatever other group you want to focus on.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Jan. All right, so we've gone through so much, Jan. Are we missing a piece of the puzzle?
1: Well, the final piece of the puzzle would be the conversation you actually have. So it would be about that. My advice when it comes to that is do two things. The first one is whether you have it written down or in your head, try to do a breakdown of everything that you sell. Because think of yourself, well, either as a pharmacist or I'm a foodie, so I'm going to change that and say, think of yourself as a waiter. If somebody asks you, oh, what do you recommend I have for dinner? You may have options for vegetarian people, options for meat eaters, and so forth. So what you want to do is write down make an inventory of what you sell. So for example, in my case, maybe, okay, I have the podcast guesting course. I do consulting on podcast guesting. I have the lead generation course. I have this, I have that. So that when I'm having a conversation with a person, I'm going to suggest as a next step, or if I make them a proposal, I'm going to include the thing that is relevant to their context. And sometimes it starts from the angle of, let's say, lead generation, and then podcast guesting, pops up and they're like, oh, I'm actually thinking of guesting as well. So I'm, I may be like, oh, all right. I actually know that after we're finished with lead Generation, they express the interest in podcast guesting. So I can mention the fact that I have this course and maybe give them a discount or something like that. So I would say, try to have everything mapped out so that you don't need to try to remember, well, okay, you can just say to yourself, as you're having a conversation, you're thinking, okay, this person or company seem to be having trouble with whatever the topic is. Do I have something that goes in that direction? Yes, no. If you have a few options, which one would make more sense for this prospect? Price-wise, solution-wise, you need to keep in mind that price is an issue or is an aspect to consider. The way people like to learn, some people prefer to learn by themselves. So maybe a course or a book is better. Other people prefer to have hand-holding. So maybe coaching or consulting is better. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is you want to be really listening to people. Don't just go in with your own agenda, trying to push the envelope all the time, but really listen because sometimes it has happened to me. Sometimes I get approached by people who want to work with me because of hosting a podcast. Mm. And then after we're having the conversation, I actually sort of convince them that guesting is the better way for them to achieve (laughs) what they want to achieve. And it's just because I actually listen. So sometimes people, they think they know what they need, but actually it's your job when you listen to them to say, okay, so if I understand correctly, you mean this. And then they say, yes. And maybe you say, you know what? Actually, my advice would be to do that instead. And maybe you have a resource that can help them with that.
0: Awesome, Jan. You guys, I hope you have your pens or probably, your pencils are going probably generating smoke because there's so many good knowledge bombs that Jan has just <laughs> dropped on this episode today. Jan, before we go, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, where the heck can they find you?
1: Yeah, thank you. First of all, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun and I love the conversation, your enthusiasm and yeah, it was so fun to be here with you Rochelle on Allergic to Small Talk. And in terms of where people can find me, I'm all over the place. We mentioned LinkedIn, so if you want to connect on LinkedIn, that's great. Otherwise, a next step I would like to offer you is I've actually put together a list of tools that I personally use in my business to generate leads every single week. And if you're curious, you can check them out. We mentioned spark There are more tools that I use for other things as well, lead generation related. You can go to yanilunga.com for slash leads. So that's N. I-L-U-N-G-A. So yanilunga.com for slash leads, L-E-A-D-S, leads. And you're going to be able there to just join the email newsletter and download the the ebook so that you can get an overview of my, let's call it, Lead Generation Toolkit.
0: Love it. Jan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I've had a blast and I cannot wait for this episode to air.
1: Oh, thank you again, Rochelle. You're so, so, so nice. And this has been a blast for me as well. So thank you.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Allergic to Small Talk is a production of Cut Class, a place where you can access me, Rochelle Grow, and Leslie Levito. We teach the world how to start and grow businesses without a formal classroom. Executively produced by me, Rochelle Grow, and Cut Class. Creative direction by Sho Kazanjian audio editor and producer, Tom Mickeyok And music is by Fami Kaira. If you'd like to access more free resources, check out our sister podcast, Out to Launch, hosted by Cut Classes co-founder, Leslie Levito. She teaches people how to ditch their nine-to-five to start their own business. See ya!